good. Fuck, that's hilarious. Yeah, I a lot of the young, like you know Addie Clark and the boys there always mm. like oh I'm like fuck man I'm old as fuck and they're like how old are you D Train? Yeah, I'm like dude I'm like forty in two years. Mm. Like, are you kidding? I'm like yeah man I'm so old. Yeah, that's crazy. Well Luke's thirty seven. Yeah, I'm thirty seven. Yeah, so I'm thirty. I'm thirty eight in October. Yeah, I yeah. think Luke's th- turned thirty seven already this year. Okay, yes, yeah. is he younger than me? Yeah, the weapon. Yeah, doesn't act like it. No, he looks like a little. Doesn't kid look as like well. it. No, he looks like a little kid. He's as well. He's a handsome young bastard. He's very handsome. <laughs> that was part of the joke. Part of the joke of me getting a brown belt. We call it the brown nose belt. <laughs> so, coach, the, you're so you're so handsome. No, he just. Every day he walks in like, wow, you're looking muscular today. <laughs> wow. This year, have you put on weight? And just asking him and then um, it, it became a bit of a piss take. And then towards the towards the end, it was really funny. He goes, um, hey, Suppo, am I looking muscular today, mate? The most muscular you've ever looked. <laughs> and that was that was just a joke of it all. And uh, uh, it was pretty funny. It was very funny. Yeah, you guys have got a good good um a good vibe down there, man. Yeah. And I and I always say this, like a team's a reflection of its leader. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a leader like Luke. Like we're so lucky. Like Lynchy's such a legend. Yeah. Lynchy's created the most amazing environment for us, for us to learn, for us to be as expressive as individuals as mm-hmm. possible. I've bought back like wearing like now that it's a, a bit a bit colder. I just wear spats, no shorts. Oh, yeah. you got to have courtesy shorts. Fuck courtesy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are all so good. If, oh. I, if I'm getting on top of you, I'm fucking rubbing my dick in your face. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that with shorts on, I, but it's hard because I've got thick legs, man. Yeah. So if I'm wearing one, the other one just makes it even uber more ex- like restrictive for me. Yeah. And then even like after. Thanks, Bobby, with my knee um, and the jet ski accident. So, you know, I'm struggling enough. It is for range of motion. So Showing your age now again. I am very much showing Falling my age. Falling apart at the yeah. seams. Also flexing called jet ski accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it hooked up to the AMG? Oh, you're not a Westie. That doesn't make any sense. It does because that's that's the like the car that we're going to buy for, for Lucy. Yeah. The, GL, the GLE AMG, the yeah. four-wheel drive. Yeah. Nice. Like a mum's car that I can still get into and like, Rah! Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. It needs to make cool noises. That's why everyone is like, oh, I want to buy a Tesla. Why? Yeah. It's quiet. Yeah, Boring. Like that. Yeah, it's fast, but no one can hear you. Always like things that make loud noises. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the combustion engine, I don't know. Like, I come from like a, a long line of rev heads. Like, mm. my grandfather always had, he had like, you know, Corvette Stingrays and Mustangs and all like, you know, V8 cars and, yeah. you know, heavy, like old school, like American muscle cars. Cool shit. Cool shit, man. Yeah. Like, dude shit. Yeah. And I don't know. It's nostalgic for me. It's got to make noise. <laughs> yeah. It's got to make noise. The number one requirement. It's like we're, we're simple creatures. When I was moving into my joint, um, the the only criteria that I had was that I had a gas stove. Can't do electric stoves. Yeah, They're fucking cook, dog shit. Because they don't cook steak good enough. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm so simple. I didn't care about how many bedrooms. I didn't care about location. I didn't care about the look of the place. Surely air conditioning, but somehow, fuck, yeah, she gets ducted, hot out. She gets hot out in the west. Ducted air conditioning, <laughs> but more importantly, gas stove. The same thing with cars. Make it make noise. Yeah, that's all I want. When we do our renovation downstairs, I'm yeah, I'm I'm switching to gas. Oh, I have get to get one of those big four burner like yeah. big dogs just on top of the oven. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my like my like Lucy's such a good cook, man. And um, but it sucks because if you do want to cook meat, like you, like I just take it out into the barbecue. Yeah. Otherwise, it sucks. Unless you're doing sausages and you just chuck them in the grill because it's just easy. Yeah. Especially like with a baby shit. But like, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to, um, 
if you're going to cook meat, you've got to cook, like, regardless what sort of meat it is, whether it's pork, chicken, but especially red meat. Like, we, um, a friend of mine, he went hunting and bought us back some, like, venison backstrap and stuff. Oh, like nice. That. You couldn't cook that on an electric stove, man, because you no. need the heat. Such a disservice. It is. And just, it's a different sort of meat, too. Yeah. So, um, I've got a couple of scotch fillets downstairs for us. Oh, highly arousing. So, yeah, some, uh, I've, it's the, I've made it for Bobby. Who else have I made it for? Isn't Bobby vegetarian? Bobby? Yeah. No, definitely not. He's Indian. He should be vegetarian. No, he's a, he cut his hair. He doesn't have to do oh, that Oh, that's anymore. right. He doesn't yeah. do anything <laughs> of the Sikh temple. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he's still, obviously, he's still a big, big advocate for it, and he, he loves it, but I think he's just modernized it. Hmm. It's like, yeah, this is, I understand this and I respect this, but yeah. I'm kind of doing this stuff. I'm just going to do what I feel like. Yeah, it's like every time I see Bobby now, he's like, actually, when we had to leave ADCC early because I had to come home for Bubs. Yeah, of course. And um, so apologies, I missed your final. That's all right. Um, we knew what was going to happen. But um, who was it? It was Owen and I. I went home with Owen. Mm. And we were like get, trying to get out, of this, get out of the car park. And there's like Bobby and one of the other guys from maybe... Maybe absolute. Probably absolute. And they looked like they were doing a drug deal. I'm like, Bobby, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, we're just having a joint. <laughs> they like, probably were. Oh, no, they weren't. But, yeah. but like, I'm like, dude, you look, look, we're in like Park Lee. You look yeah. like you're doing a drug deal. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I'll tell you what's up, though. Very, 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 very strange. In mm. 2000 and, um, 2006, I got locked up at Park Lee on Raman for like four months. It didn't used to look like that around there. No. It was an in, like an industrial estate. Oh, yeah. Shithole. We were driving and like we got to that roundabout and I looked and I was like, I remember walking out of there before. Yeah. Holy shit. Like Parkley Markets across the road. 100%. Crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah. That place used to just be like industrial. Well, that's like where Rouse Town Centre is. used to be a massive golf course. Really? Yeah. It's now a full-fledged shopping centre. That's insane. It's ridiculous. It's madness because, like, I'm pretty sure I told you in the last podcast, like, I grew up, like, half Shire, half Westy, right? Mm. So, like, most – my dad's side of the family is all from, like, Riverston. It's a horrendous mix. Ri- <laughs> I, I know. It's a horrendous it's mix. It's like I, I've got, like, pretty good etiquette, but I can beat the fuck out of you. Yeah, yeah, If yeah. I need to in a street fight. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> it's, yeah, it's weird. Like, I, I've re- like, I have all these memories of driving to and from the mm. West and, and to the Shire. And even just driving down that main road that goes like to Windsor, mm. like through like by, by Bly Park and stuff like that, driving down there is completely different. Like, oh, yeah. Those used to just be all paddock, paddocks yeah. and fields. And you still get this like one or two like little glimpse of a house that I refuse to sell. Yeah, <laughs> They've got yeah, their yeah. land and it's just like all built up and shops and highway upgrades. Like it's crazy. Well, my auntie and uncle live at Landilo, which is like, Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, know where yeah. that is? So on a massive property out there. Yeah. So, um, just as like you, before you get to that roundabout, before you go up to go right, to go towards Windsor. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bit beforehand, there's, I think there's like a shell service station mm-hmm. and then Landilo roads just after that. Yeah. So yeah, like, so, like, it's so weird for me because I haven't been out there since I was, like, eight, nine years old. Oh, it'd be substantially different. So, whenever I go back out there, like, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's 55 years ago. That'd be... God. <laughs> 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 iPhones weren't around back then. Yeah. Man, I don't think the telephone was in back then. <laughs> well, mate, let's, uh, let's hear from the sponsors and let's get into it. We get to the point. Oh, that was wrong. 
podcast is supported by CMBT Nutrition. Feel your passion. You're doing that work on the mats. You need that pre. You need those BCAAs. You need that protein hit for recovery afterwards. You need a snack. These guys have the best bars going around. My favorite is the salted caramel. Trusted by the 145 UFC champion of the world, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Head over to cmbt.com.au and fuel your passion. We get to the point. Joshy Sapo Saunders in the house. We're back. We're back, baby. It's so crazy. Like, what were we here? February, March? Yeah, just under, just under three, four months, I think. Yeah. And we had this conversation. Unfortunately, a lot has changed since then. Yeah. Um, my co-host Benny ended up on a, has ended up back in rehab, which is super unfortunate. But I guess the um, the crazy thing is, is that you said you're going to come back here and bring the medal. Didn't bring that. I'm heartbroken. Forgot it. Yeah, it's the closest thing I'm ever going to get to one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's nuts. Like, well, it's not nuts. It's the perfect makeup of mm. someone who says what they do, does what they say, and say what they do. That's your your little acronym, acronym and yeah. and your little motto now, which mm. is sensational. But. Um, it was no doubt in my my mind when we got down to to that ledger centre that you weren't going to win. Yeah. And that's not to say that you didn't have some decent competition. Um, there's some competition I'd never heard of before, but obviously there's a, a couple of guys there that I did know and I was like, you know, that's going to be a big test for, for Josh, but you can't beat someone who doesn't want to be beaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that sort of stuff is irrelevant, to be completely honest. I think when you when you put enough into something – the competition doesn't matter. Yeah. It'd be like starting a business where Steve Jobs is like, oh, but there's Microsoft. If he would have let that stop him, he never would have gone anywhere. It's a big flex, but yeah, yeah I'm feeling it's, it. It's the same thing, right? So <laughs> yeah. you, you, just, you just don't allow that stuff to enter your mind. And I, I talked about it a lot. Um, I haven't said it on a podcast yet, so you guys get the well, exclusive. You, you get the exclusive yeah. the run. There's a couple of things that had happened in the build-up to that where – like I said on the video and stuff, I was I was seeing visions of me winning and going to hug Luke and all that sort of stuff, and that happened. And um, that video that I posted that my mate James put together was was a nice little encapsulation of that. Yeah. And you know when you – I think I said this to you on the day. I'm not sure if I did. I said it to a few people. You know when you – as a guy, if you're a girl listening to this, sorry, you won't get it. <laughs> if you're a guy and you drive really fast down a hill, you get this tingling in your balls, that was me all day. Okay. As soon as I got there, I checked my passport in. I forgot my fucking passport, but it was like such a non-issue because I was only 12 minutes away. I live 12 minutes away, so it doesn't matter. Um, so I went back, got the passport, and just as soon as I got in there, I just felt this palpable energy of that, for lack of better words, that ball tinglingness. And as we started to go through the day, um, I, I just felt this crazy focus, like this big flow sort of energy thing, and I... I ran through every single person in the semis and the quarters and all that sort of stuff. And that was a, a pure formality. Um, it's not to take away anything from the guys that I competed against. They just weren't, sh no one was going to show up and beat me that day. Yeah. It was impossible. I, I, there was no possibility in my mind that that was ever going to happen. And before the final, so if you guys don't know how it works, 
all of the semis and the quarters and stuff in the morning and then they did all the finals at the end of the day. So I had finished all of my opponents within, I think it was like 11 minutes of mat time. I had three matches uh, and then I had to wait around for like four hours. So walking around, watching some of the other boys compete, taking in the day and, and just being very present. You actually were, man. Like yeah. to be honest with you, like, you know, I got to, to chat with you a couple of times throughout the day and um, you weren't you weren't phased at all. Like kind of the, yeah, get ready to book your tickets to Vegas. Like that yeah. was kind of, but it wasn't like, an, uh, like you're uncertain of what you were saying and it was kind of like I'm trying to make myself feel better. It was just like, you were so calm, man, and yeah. still, and you were present in the moment. Yeah, it's because it's because I saw it so many times. How many times do you need to see something before you start to believe it? Yeah, and I think that the the bridging the gap of of self belief is visualization, and if you can have those visions and then bridge that gap of self belief, you it's it's almost it's almost a certainty, almost as much as it could be. And the the couple of other things that happened between the semis and the final is I was walking around and. Uh, my opponent that was already going to be in the final was either going to be Dennis or Dan. I knew that was going to be the case. And Dan ended up being Dennis, and it was this big redemption story for him because Dennis is the guy who beat him in the final at the last trials and all this sort of stuff. So there's like a, a fairy tale thing for him coming along, and that's that's pretty cool and everything. But um, he was coaching the whole day. Absolute brought like 26 competitors. They brought a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had a losing win-loss record, but that's beside the point. Um, Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so he was coaching the whole day and he's yelling and screaming and doing all that sort of stuff. And you even just said, like, I was walking around taking it all in, but I was super calm, super relaxed, just being present. I thought, that's a win for me. And then about an hour and a half before our match, he goes down and has a nap. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd be doing that before the most important match of my entire life. So I was like, all right, that's another win. The craziest thing that happened all of that day, apart from me winning and, and actualizing all that sort of stuff, when I won Subversion, when I beat uh, Mark McKay, a.k.a. nicest man alive, <laughs> nicest grappler on planet Earth, um, I'll always tell you, well, Grayson's a close second, but Mark McKay's number one, definitely. Um, Grayson is one of the, he's one of the best. One he? of the nicest guys yeah, on Earth. Yeah. One of the nicest guys. Shout but anyway, so uh, when I beat Mark McKay, uh, the, the track that was played on the stage as I'm doing like a walk around because I won – was played 10 minutes before I walked onto the mats for the final. That's insane. What's the, what's the track? I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I haven't even bothered to look it up. But it was like this crazy, like, euphoric feeling. matrix sort of yeah. where he's dodging the bullets and he's going backwards. I was like, holy shit. Out of all the songs that exist, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a George Hanlon event, so it might just be his soundtrack <laughs> of like 50 songs that just could have played. But why that song? Why that song 10 minutes before the event? Why not an hour and a half beforehand, even if it was a playlist? Yeah. And it was this crazy serendipitous thing, and I was like, fuck, that's another win. So I've already won three times before I've got on the mats. Then all the visualization stuff, then all the other processes. So that's four wins. Yeah. Then when we're getting announced as we're about to walk on the mats, if you watch back the video or if you were there, you'll notice that I don't stop staring at the ground. Like I just, it was, I don't even know how to explain. I still get the same goosebumps when I watch the video back. I had this ridiculous focus like this unbreakable focus. And I knew that if I was to take in the crowd and the energy and all that sort of stuff, it's like when people say, if you wouldn't take advice from somebody, you shouldn't take their criticism. Yeah. Because I think if you're permeable, you're permeable both ways, positive and negative. Yeah. So I think if you have the ability to take in the energy from the crowd, you can take in the critique of the crowd and the moment can get away from you. So I was like, you know what? Crowd's not here. 
Don't listen to them. The cheers are nice and everything. Think about that when you're done. Well, Think it's, well it's kind of like putting yourself back in the training room, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he did not do that. He started to take it in, put his hands up, and started to engage in the crowd's energy. And I think piecing together all these things and just being very critical on those sorts of things and critical on myself and my preparation, I'd already won before I stepped on. I just had to wait for it to happen. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was a crazy feeling. And, it, like, it was definitely a close match. It could have gone either way, um, provided that they would have put more emphasis onto wrestling exchanges or wrestling engagements. Um, but obviously submission attempts trump that and I had four and he had none. Um, so yeah. I was going to say to you, was there, was there anything about the match that did surprise you or was it kind of you knew what your game was and what your path was and that was where it actually went to? Yeah, admittedly I would have liked to have taken more chances knowing that I am almost fucking impossible to score on. But I think I did, in the essence of that, play not to lose rather than play to win. Yeah. Um, and it showed because when I play to win, I submit everybody in three minutes. <laughs> and it was just the grandiosity of the event. It's it's my first finals in an ACC trials. We'll also respect the Dan too. He's no slouch. Oh, no, absolutely not. He's a great not. grappler. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had a match with him previously and that sort of thing. So there's like the kind of unknown there. Yeah. Um, I knew that he was never going to take me down. I knew that he was never going to pin me. I knew that he was never going to submit me. Knowing those three things, I would have liked to articulate that to myself as I was walking onto the mat yet again. I think if we have another match in the future, which I guarantee that we will on like BOA or Subversion or something like that, yeah. it's going to be a very different outcome. Um, and, I, and I guess just you know, fast forwarding, surely that's something that you take into to the big stage and go, hold on, I, I played to safety here. Mm -hmm. I need to go and do my thing because I'm fucking on the big stage now. Oh, yeah. Which is a great a great silver lining and a lesson. Yeah. Something that's so big and major too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes back to the quote as well, mate. Like, if you're willing to be the man in the arena with the glory and the fame, you have to be the willing to be the man with in the gutter and nothing. Yeah. You have to be willing to be both. And that, that generated from, like, courage and authenticity – the authenticity is that you have to be willing to be seen in all lights, all lights. the shadow side, the light side, yeah. the wins, the loss, the success, the failure. And I think perpetuating that moving forwards, like you said, it's balls to the walls. Yeah. Whatever happens is whatever happens. 100%, man. And that's so exciting. Like to be, you know, three or four months sitting here with you, you know, with what that vision, what that the storyline was and what the narrative was and the vision and then – to see you on the day executing was a very beautiful thing to watch, man. Mm. Like I've got a lot of love for you because I, I don't know. I have uh, a, an attachment to you that there's a similar path in growing up and stuff like that. Mm. And I love the fact that, you know, you're what, 10 years younger than me. Yeah. 12, 12 years. Young. <laughs> Fuck off. 25. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're 12 years younger than me. And I, I wish I had your brain and your mindset mm. at 25. Life would have been a hell of a lot easier for me and I probably would have achieved a hell of a lot more. So I think that's why I just – I love everything that you do, Josh, is because I do see a lot of myself, but I was just a scared little boy. And to see someone just prosper and just mm. do it – and some you've got to drink your own Kool-Aid, man. Oh, yeah. People can say what they want. Oh, he's fucking arrogant. He's this – you don't drink your own Kool-Aid. No one else is going to drink it for you. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be hot on yourself. <laughs> you got to be hot on yourself. And I, I think as well, mate, like uh, to that point, no matter what you do, 
Somebody is going to be pissed off at you. <laughs> Somebody is not going to like the way that your face is set up. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. It's like in Step Brothers. He's like, you need to change your face. He's yeah. Like, How do I do this? And the guy, the guy that goes, pow, pow, pow. Yeah. Um, you dick like Kobayashi. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's such a great movie. Such a great movie. But um, yeah, I, I think in the element of that, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter who you're friends with, no matter what you accomplish, someone is always going to be pissed off with you. Mm. So do what you want to do in your own personal values and align yourself with that. Because if you're always worried about what people think of you or what I should say to appease this person, you're always going to be running around in circles fatigued because <laughs> you're trying to please everybody, everybody else. Yeah. And you're not going to be pleasing yourself. And what's the point? Like at the end of your life, if you ask yourself the question, what would my 85-year-old self do about this? And it's like everybody sort of gets to an age where they ask themselves, what would I do if I was 85? And it's it's the joking one, like, you you know, you can swear or push in lines at Woolworths and do all that sort of stuff because you're old. Yeah. You don't give a fuck anymore, <laughs> right? Why not escalate that to now? And I'm not, I'm not saying go push nanas out of the fucking <laughs> line at Woolworths. But I'm saying why do you give a fuck about what people think about you? Yeah. Because it has no fucking bearings on your life whatsoever. Yeah. If I gave a fuck about what people thought or if I thought that uh, it was unrealistic for me to achieve the things that I've achieved, I wouldn't have fucking done it. 100%. I'd still be sitting in a place where I'm like, oh, it must be nice. It's like there's a, there's a quote of a guy, um, his name's Andrew Tate. He's that real provocative uh, masculine dude. He's like a... I don't know what the fuck he is, how to explain it, but he goes, when I was younger, there was there was four of us. There was four of uh, me and three friends in a group. And we're walking down Sunset Boulevard in, in wherever it is in America and a Ferrari drove past. LA, yeah. And he goes, all of his friends just went, oh, that must be nice. And he went, no, nah, how the fuck do I get that? Yeah. How do I get it? Because <laughs> if that guy figured it out, that means I can figure okay. it out. Because yeah. if you look at humans, we're all the fucking same. We're all the same. You all have the intrinsic capability to achieve whatever you want. It's just the reasons that you tell yourself that you can't. Can't, yeah. That's the only thing. So when I look at the stuff that I've achieved, I just have never told myself I can't. That's the only difference. Also, you didn't pigeonhole yourself either. No. It would have been very easy for you to go, well, I was the guy who should have played first grade footy, mm. but I've, you know, I've got a fused ankle and you know, that, that's my dream's over now, but you know, I'm going to live in the past. Very easy for you to do that. Yeah. But and, yet and, you become a fucking six foot six, 120 kilo Dude, Baron Barlowing people as a white belt. I, I wish I was six foot six. That'd be good. No, I don't know if that was that would be deleterious. Actually, my wingspan six eleven, so I think I'll stick with that. Okay, yeah, I think I'll stick with that. I put a photo up recently, and they go, "How are you like four inches taller than Baby Dave, but your fingers are in the same place in the photo?" You look at the photo. There's like a it's like a babushka doll. It like goes down in height. It's like you, Kurt. Dave. Uh, it's. Uh, Nathan's in the middle. Okay. Nathan's yeah. in the middle. But our fingertips are in the same spot. And my shoulders are like four <laughs> inches above his. And everyone's like, what the fuck, bro? Why are you like why are you like Aussie's version of Slenderman? Yeah. It's it's insane. But like you you can either sit there and go, I should have been the footy guy. Yeah. Or go, Hey, I've been fucking blessed with this amazing fucking genetic sequence mm. plus a mindset like a killer. Yeah. Let's go do this. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you can let your past rule your life if you really want to. Yeah. Like, you're a perfect example of that. You, you could say that, oh, well, I am the way I am. Yep. Why? <laughs> why? Why would you allow that? Like, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does dumb shit when they're a kid. If, if I was to say that I would be the way that I was just because of the stuff that I've done in my past, well, then I'd never be sitting here having this conversation. I, I would never have achieved the things that I've achieved. And I'm not even close to being finished yet. But if you let your past dictate your future... 
you're just dragging that stuff with you. You're dragging the energetics of failure and ridiculousness, all that sort of stuff with you. Well, I'll give you the red hot tip, Josh. Five years ago, I met Lucy and I kind of started the – I probably started at about 30, 30 I started my, my kind of self-help journey. Mm-hmm. Met Lucy at 32, going on 33. It wasn't until probably – you know, I had sobriety in December, probably until I bought my truck. I got that in March where I was like – I can do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking savage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally, like I'm like, I can do anything. Why yeah. the hell do I have I ever questioned myself? Yeah. But that's at 37 years of age, 37 years of age. Yeah. But it doesn't matter when you start. No. Because some people never get there. But and that's it's, the th- it's how you finish, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right, mate? Like people tell themselves on a day-to-day basis, they fight for their limitations. How terribly impowerful is that? <laughs> Yeah. They fight for the reason that they can't do shit. Yeah. They fight for the reason why they're shit. They fight for the reason why they suck. Why? Yeah. It's just as easy. If I wrote a post about this recently. If you can condition yourself to be unhappy, you have the blueprint already. You can condition yourself to be happy. Yeah, 100%. You can condition yourself to be a success or view yourself as success. You can condition yourself to have progress rather than tie yourself down by your limitations and your history and your past and your failures. If you can do it one way, you can do it the other way. way. You just haven't figured out that that it's the exact same essence. (laughs) It's the exact same thing. Well, I guess, you know, kind of segueing into um, like into the HPU stuff as well. Like you look at from when you're on the podcast to when you took the mats for for trials, like everything in your life was doing this, Mm -hmm. was on an, was on an, an upward trajectory, mm-hmm. everything like your, um, the job that you like, the job that you got in the gym, uh, into the, um, yeah, it's a bit of warm in here. I might have to open this door soon. Cut the big vessels breathing hard, but it's like you, you look at your, your online stuff with HPU, you know, you, you're into a role that you absolutely love. You're booked out with your clients. So it's like, there's some sort of proof to the fucking, to the madness that, yeah. If your mindset is like this for jiu-jitsu, it's like this for your own self-accountability and it's like this for business, mm. like your bell curve is going up and up and up. Yeah. Like if people can't see that and see that, hey, look, you know, if you can put that in one area of your life, the rest of your life is going to prosper as well. Yeah, well, the, the Miyamoto Masashi quote that we always go back to is once you know the way in one thing, you know it deep, like deeply enough, 100%. you know the way in all things. 100%. And that's, it's representative of anything that like the way that you find it is very important. But once you've found it, you have to realize that it's the same way in all things. And I, I go through this with every single client that comes to me They're They're killing it at their job or they've got a phenomenal relationship, but they can't put their health together. <laughs> and you look at them for exactly what they are. They're in their own head. They're in their own story. The subjectivity of the matter is what's keeping them where they are. And I say to them, how good are you at your job? What would you rate yourself out of 10? And they go, fuck, man, nine, nine and a half out of 10. I absolutely slay my work. I said, so you are a weapon. And they go, well, I guess you're right. I was like, so what the fuck is the difference? If you figured it out how to do it at work, what's the difference between you doing it at work and you doing it for your health and you starting to do it for yourself? What's the difference? There is no difference. It's just that you haven't even pieced that together yet. And I say it all the time. I've got a cool little um, accountability thing that I say to people. And I, they always say, I struggle with building habits and, and keeping habits long term. I said, no, you fucking don't. They're like, what do you mean? I said, listen, uh, I'll, I'll do it for you. I said, now, look, when you were five years old, your parents decided to entrust you with brushing your teeth as a responsibility. 
right? You now have that ability. And the thing is, is that how many days do you reckon you've actually missed between five years old and 37 years old? Not many. You can probably count them on both hands. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah. Your parents decide to trust you with brushing your teeth. You get in bed one night, you're comfortable, and you're like, oh, fuck it, I don't want to do it. But they come in and they're like, Dale, listen, we can smell the sausages you had for dinner. Go and fucking brush your teeth. <laughs> so you go and do it. You whine, you bitch about it, you cry a little bit. But at the end of the day, you start doing it. And between five years old and 37, there's 32 years of evidence that you can fucking perform a habit twice a day. And how many days have you missed in between? Very few. So when I ask you to do something to create more power in your life, I have 32 years of evidence to back up my claim. Yeah. You can't say anything against that. No. <laughs> You've proven it to me already. You just need to prove it to, to yourself. yourself. Yeah. Right? And that's where people people get stuck is that they're already doing the things that they need to do. They just need to modify it to achieve the things that they say they want to achieve. Well, even to this point, Suppo, is that I used to be um, – I used to get amazed by – I just get amazed by people that could um, um, that could wake up at four and train at four thirty in the morning mm. before they go to work. I'm like, how do you not get so tired? And then you sit there and start realizing that. Um, can you stop, please? We get uh, the feedback. Yeah, I oh, know it's one of the wires or something. Uh, I think it's from Milo. Silly goose. Um, yeah, so you you walk past. Um, walk past anything. We. Um, I sit there and go, how can you not be so tired? Mm. Yet on the on the guy who's waking up at you know six o'clock, six thirty, on my phone for forty five minutes in bed, yeah, getting constantly stimulated, mm -hmm. and then you wake up and you're like, wow, I could go back to sleep, yeah. And then it's by the time you get <coughs> to the Arvo, you flogged yourself at work, day to day stresses, and you, I'm almost falling asleep, you know, mm. whether it's training or jujitsu or whatever else. And you know, this is the the big thing with 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 the business is that I'm up at four thirty five o'clock most days. Yeah. Even the days that I don't have to start early, and then the days that you get down there, and the th that feeling that you get when you've hydrated yourself, read a page of your book, and trained before anyone else, the sun's even fucking gotten up, mm -hmm. is the most empowering thing. And for some reason or another, at three three thirty when I'm normally dying. I'm going again. Yep. Whether it's circadian rhythm, working with you know the vitamin D of the sun, I'm not too sure. But the thing was is that I used to tell myself, if I'm this tired now, what am I going to be like if I wake up at four four thirty and train? Yeah. Where it was the complete opposite. I had to remove some stuff. Yeah. To to be able to do that, and yet I'm still making jujitsu for five thirty. Yeah, and that's the thing. At the same time, like a lot of people. A lot of people don't need to add things into their lifestyle to become successful. They need to remove Move, yeah. bullshit. They need to remove barriers. They need to remove unhelpful self-talk. They need to remove screen time. They need to remove dog shit food and all those sorts of things. And I think to what you said is if you're forcing yourself to get up at 4.30, you have to be on. Yeah. Because if you're not, you're going to be ruined. Yeah. And I think that that's the beautiful part about what you're saying is that if you're going to get up at 4.30, you may as well read a page of a book. If you're going to read a page of a book, you may as well hydrate yourself properly. If you're going to hydrate yourself properly, you may as well make your fucking bed in the morning. <laughs> and now you start to get this momentum where you start with a 20-cent coin snowball on the top of the hill and it starts to roll all the way down the hill. Now it's the size of a basketball. Yeah. You pick the basketball back up, you do it again. Now it's the size of a minivan. Yeah. You start to get that momentum shift and 100%. that's the big part. It's, it's not necessarily that waking up at 4.30 in the morning is the catalyst to that, but it's that you've decided that you're doing something that's going to benefit you.
and that's what I tell everybody because you have to have this momentum shift in your life. Like uh, uh, one of the boys asked me on one of the other shows that I did from the boys with Adelaide that I'm good friends with and they said, where did this all start for you? Because you didn't start doing 13 sessions a week. I was like, well, no, I started with the decision that the day I got my license back, I would join a jiu-jitsu class. Then I decided I'd do three sessions a week no matter what. Then I decided I'd do five. Then I decided I'd go and train at Sydney West based off a recommendation of my private coach at the time, Josh. And then I was like, oh, they do morning classes. So I'll do all the morning classes at Sydney West and then I'll do all the afternoons at, at my other gym. And then eventually I'm in a process now where I'm doing every session at Sydney West bar Friday nights. Friday night's date night. You've got to have fucking date night. It's got to <laughs> happen. You've got to have some freedoms. Yeah. But I'm doing every session. And I, I didn't start there, but the momentum, you can see the, the track record. And for everybody listening that, that look at someone like me or yourself or something like that, people do a lot of shit with their day. You don't have to look at us and compare yourselves to where we are. Com- started. Compare ourselves to where we started. But yeah. also, comparison is a thief of joy. And comparison is like... Compar- and envy is like drinking poison hoping the other person dies <laughs> yeah. it's fucking retarded 100% right so don't compare yourself to us don't compare yourself to anybody else compare yourself to where you were six months ago and I was talking to somebody on Instagram during the week and he said man how do you keep getting better and I said I don't know where I read this from I'm pretty sure Gordon put this up I said if I can't beat the fuck out of myself six months ago I haven't Gordon. progressed yeah. I think it was Gordon yeah. and I, I take that very seriously I take that very seriously in business if I can't close more sales than I could six months ago, what am I saying to myself? <laughs> Have I wasted six months? Yep. Potentially, or I haven't been putting in the effort requisite to get the results that I've said I've wanted. Yep. And that goes against do what you say, say what you do. And that is one of my core values. And I refuse, refuse to give up my values. Yep. I saw a video on Instagram the other day and it said, you lose your money, you lose nothing. You lose your friends, you lose something. You lose your values or your character, you lose exactly. everything. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think not a lot of people have values in these day-to-day. Like, we could get, <laughs> we can go into a funny section of that. Like, you and I didn't get jabbed because my fucking values are authenticity and courage. Yeah. And I will not compromise that for work. I will not compromise that for friendships. I will not compromise that for anything. When I posted I went to the protest, I lost like 150 followers in one day. People that used to ask me for program exercises and, and critiques on technique – unfollowed me and I had to be sitting there and say no you know what I made the right decision yeah because I fucking believe in what I believe yeah 100% because at the end of the day it's about how you go to sleep with Mm -hmm. the person that you are it's like you've the the whole thing about chasing yourself absolutely drained again because you're trying to please everyone but having convictions in your actions yeah being fucking so certain that you're in the right decision and regardless like of that argument of whether you got vaccinated or not like that's completely up to you and, and what your cho- what you believe is the best thing for you there. Oh, for man. sure. And, you know, like, much like yourself, you know, I kind of, I grew up and I can call bullshit on things, you know yeah. what I mean? So I was able to address that and, you know, that, that's, but that's my thing. If you got it and you thought it was the best thing for you, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you do have to do things with values and conviction and understand that not everyone is going to like you for what you believe in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but But I think... But I think doing something, again, to appease anyone, to appease a government, to appease a friend, to appease a family member, to appease a work colleague, I think you really have to take stock on on whether you're appeasing people too much. I think you have to have conviction in your word. And the reason why I'm able to achieve the things that I achieve is I fucking do. Yeah. 
Like, there's no way other around it. There is no secret. There's no crazy trick. There's no, I don't read the fucking secret every night and, and <laughs> put my crystals out and fucking manifest all this shit. I, re- I, I got a live, laugh, love poster on the wall and I fucking go yeah. to the beaches and drink soy lattes. 100%. <clears throat> if you have conviction in your word, you can kind of predict things. And I always go back to early stage McGregor. But, but conviction in your word also has to be conviction within action as well. Like Absolutely. You can't sit there and put crystals out into the moonlight and no, fucking, no. you know, earth yourself into the sand yeah. hoping that the world's going to give it to you. But I think those two things are one in the same. I think that's where people get a lot of it fucked up. I think conviction in your word has to come with action. I think it's, it's almost implied. Mm. But I don't think a lot of people recognize that. And I think that's where they start to fall off because they say they're going to lose 20 kilos and then they never follow it up with any action. Or they say they're going to start a business and they never follow it up with any action. Yeah. That old quote, uh, the, the richest place on earth is the graveyard because that's where all the dreams go to die. That never, <laughs> and no one ever put any fucking effort into them. Like, yeah. I've, had, I've had several business ideas I never fucking floated. It's one of those things. But if you, if you have conviction in your words, at least one of them will stick. Yeah. And then who knows? Your fucking life could change. 100%. Like, speak to me five years ago. I was trying to make the NRL. I, I was not a personal trainer. I had never done jiu-jitsu. Uh, I was not in a relationship, which I'm, I'm not now, but I wasn't in there. I was just being like a fuckboy uh, idiot. I was drinking all the time. It's pretty standard with the culture, but brother. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. It you was play, actually you play, really, you play footy and that's kind of, that's the life. You know? Yeah, it was actually really funny. One of the boys asked me about that. They're like, why did you quit rugby league? And I, I told him the whole story and I was like, man, honestly, looking back on it now, it has a lot to do with the culture and the, and the way that those people carry themselves. And yeah. it's not a broad brush stroke of every single person in, in rugby league, but the, the gross majority, they do act like fools. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where jiu-jitsu doesn't have that. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is a very community-orientated thing. Community-orientated and respect. And that's a lot res- of respect. It's respect for others, but also the respect for yourself. Yes. Like yeah. I, I've, I can't, you know, I can't express how much I've grown from doing, jiu- from doing jiu-jitsu. You know, like it was, you know, having won the surroundings, you know, having people like Chad and Owen and, you know, G and, you know, James Walters, guys like Tari, you know, guys like Matty Lynch. Like, you know, there's... I've been through a big, pretty big journey since I started Jiu-Jitsu in February 2018, mm. you know, on and off partying, you know, drinking heavily and drugging heavily. And yeah. and for some reason it was like, you know, I was lucky to have someone like Chad always bring, you know, Chad Nolan always bringing me back to, okay, well, like, this is the safe space and this is the place where you will eventually find th- that this will be the place where you sit in the whole time yeah. as opposed to coming back here to try and get some inner peace with all the craziness. And uh, I had this conversation with Mullo <coughs> Weekly, man. You know, you look at Jared Mullen's career, he's one of the best to ever put on a jersey. Oh, yeah, and, undoubtedly. And, you know, we talk about – so, you know, when when Jared went through his hard spots, he lived in this – where Lucy used to park her car for work, she got her own dedicated car spot. It's got mm. a name on it and stuff like that. And Jared lived in the uh, the apartment building above. Oh, really? But he'd be he like he was that arrogant that he could park there. He couldn't drive one floor up. <laughs> he'd just park in Lucy's spot. And before I actually before Marlon and I became mates, I actually keyed his car. <laughs> yeah, and, I, I t- and like I told him I was going to flog him. But it's and but now it's a running joke with Jared and I. Yeah. Like, you know, Marlon always says to me, he's like. He's got, oh, got a new career. He calls me Fat Tits. We're dog and Fat Tits. That's what I call him, Dog on Fat. Yeah, remember yeah, the good. show Dog the Bounty Hunter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you offline the story about it. But, but it's like, you know, he's like, hey, Fat Tits, just letting you know, I'm just 
driving around looking for a couple of CEOs' car spots to park in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's it's a joke now. You know, he's been sober for almost four years and what his life has, like, now in terms of substance and fulfilment mm. with his family, you know, he, um, you know he, he's got a company where he takes, like, you know, underprivileged kids out or Down syndrome kids out. He, he takes them to the movie, Time Zone. Then he's got Coach AI where he can still utilise his rugby league skills mm. to help young kids achieve their rugby league dreams. It's really cool. Which is crazy because, you know, you would have thought playing in the semi-final with Joey mm. or playing for New South Wales, playing State of Origin – Playing the amount of caps that he had for the Knights, you you think that you know this is a, he's like no that's that's so far in my revision mirror now what yeah. I'm doing now I'm actually making change and I'm a much better person fulfillment fulfillment man 100%. yeah it's interesting though it's something you said you use the word substance and it's funny when you take substances you lose the substance of your life yeah if you remove substances you gain substance and it's funny because it's a paradoxical thing. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm six years, no drinking. Um, I very, very occasionally do drugs anymore. Smoke a bit of weed probably like once or twice a month, but I don't think you could really be a competitive jujitsu athlete without smoking weed. It's like, like, you know, when I seen Bobby doing his drug deal, he's like, I'm just smoking a joint. I'm like, aren't you like an Indian Sikh? You shouldn't be doing that. dude. I mean, (laughs) let's be careful with competitive jitsu athlete and Bobby Sandu in the same (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Shots fired, Bobby. (laughs) No, I saw him. He's been coming into Sydney West. We saw him on Tuesday night and then Wednesday morning. And it's been good to have him. He's such a fucking funny character. He's a, he's a really good dude. He means, he means well. And he, he's He's the best. He does. He asks really good questions. Actually. He does. He actually is really interested in what you have to, what you have to offer. Uh, in terms of a conversation. That's what I really enjoy about Bobby. But that's anyone at any level, Suppo. Mm. Not the guy who's won ADCC trials or, you know, the best coach, you know, in Australia for, for, for jiu-jitsu. Bobby could have that conversation with the homeless guy on the street. Yeah. He genuinely cares about having a conversation. That's what I him. really enjoy about yeah. him. It's one of his qualities that is quite good. Yeah. And, and, like, yeah, we give him shit for bouncing around gyms and he's got multiple parpies and <laughs> it, it's one of those things where he's got he's got coaches in every corner and, and all that sort of stuff. And But he's just that guy. He is just that he's guy. He's the guy that everyone, like, he almost missed his match, his first, his ma- ma- <laughs> first match because he was – just talking to people. You know, he Having was a yarn. so excited to see everyone. You yeah. can see it in his face. He was like, wow, all my people are all under one roof and yeah. I get to chat with everyone. This yeah. is sick. It was really cool. That was like Eith. Eith was uh, chucking a dump in the toilets. They're like, Ethan Thomas, third and final call. <laughs> Geordie's ringing him. His, his older brother, Geordie's ringing him. He's like, bro, where the fuck are you? He goes, just hanging a shit. Couldn't, just, couldn't be cared. Just doing Could, a Darren Britt. Yeah. Couldn't care less. <laughs> Dropping off the kids at the pool. Yeah. And... Um, Walks out, smokes this dude, and then just walks off. <laughs> Not a care in the world. And Luke, we actually had this conversation with about um, on the subversion match. It's it's really interesting that you get to see the way that people deal with pressure. I find it fascinating. I love looking into the inside of people's minds and the way that they handle pressure. Um, Is that what, like out in the green room, out the back? Yeah, out the yeah. back. Like we'll, yeah, the wall, our team, we're playing Monopoly. We're literally having a game of Monopoly. Before everybody walked out on massive fight over. to get Park Lane first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um, <clears throat> all these boys are in there. They're sweating. They're fucking doing paces and stuff like that. And even a couple of our teammates, they kind of let it get to them a little bit and stuff like that. And that one of them came up to me and he goes, "Man, how are you so calm?" 
And I was like, well, first of all, the work's already been done. Nothing I can do to cram for the test now. I'm just trying to get Park Lane. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to get Park Lane. I'm not even fixated on the fucking match. I'm just, I'm, I did actually win Monopoly. I bankrupt everybody. Uh, Monopoly king at Sydney West. But um, I also used a reference point. I said, man, I've run out in front of 35,000 people at Anzac Day against the dogs in an under-20s game. Yeah. Do you think 500 people at Subversion is really going to like tip the hat? And there's, there's always going to be pressure. But the, the beautiful thing about that story is pressure is intrinsic always yeah who, who brings the pressure to the scenario you do, you do. <laughs> yeah. every single time and yeah. I, I love the john danaher uh parable of the plank and i, I heard it someone else somewhere else before i heard it from john um but then i did hear, hear it from john later the parable of the plank he talks about there was a, a magician that came to their school in new zealand and he walked across this plank of wood it was like three meters long then he got all the kids to follow him then he puts it between the two demountables he goes over no dramas all the kids are shit scared because they don't want to fall off. He goes, the parable of the plank that you have to realize that there's no difference between the plank on the ground or the plank elevated above the ground. There is no difference. It is still a plank and you still have to walk across it. The only difference is the mindset that you take towards it. Yeah. And he marries that to jujitsu and competition. The more that you can make competition like training, the more that you can go, oh, I've done this every day for the last six days for the last year and a half. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where I try and do that. I explain my methodology in competition um, pretty heavily to some of the boys and, and I, I see that some of them struggle a little bit. I said, man, training should be done at 85% and competing should be done at 65% because you know that you have that extra 20% to give whenever you need it. Yeah. If you're in the back end of a match, you've got 30 seconds left and you're absolutely running at 100%. You've got no gas tank left. Yeah. You've done yourself a mischief. And it, it's, it's not going to be uh, – it's not really predicated on the way that you prepare yourself. It's the way that you bring pressure into the element of the, of the, of the arena. And I think the more that you can make training, the more that you can make competition like training rather, the more it becomes second nature. Don't think about the crowd. Don't think about the event itself. Don't think about all of the other competitors. Think about it as a training round. Because what are the similarities? There's mats. They will be grappling. There'll be a time that you'll be grappling for. You're going to sweat. You're going to get tired. All these things are similar. Why not focus on the similarities rather than the differences? Yeah. And then you can start to talk yourself out of all the, the pressure of all the ridiculousness of the yeah. event. And it starts to become an enjoyable process. Like if people see me on competition day, they would have no idea that I'm competing. I'm the exact same way <laughs> as if I go there to spectate. Yeah. I'm talking shit the whole time. I'm fucking laughing, joking around, and they go, oh, Josh is ready to go. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like Even, even so much so that at the Central Coast competition I did before trials, my – only comp as a purple belt, which is fucking hilarious to say. <laughs> um, I was doing three divisions on the day. So I did purple belt, nogi heavyweight or ultra heavyweight because it's IBJJF. I did purple belt open weight and then I did blue and purple open weight super division where they give you the belt. And I had to close three divisions uh, because they were all happening on different mats and it was just the scheduling of comps and it's, a, it's always a fuck around. I ended up having three matches back to back with no rest in between because I was like, eh, yeah, like, like I didn't put the pressure on myself, but I, I was putting pressure on myself to perform. My adrenals and everything else would be fucking taxed and I wouldn't have the ability to do that. But how many rounds do you do back to back to back to back at, at Sydney West? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. We, we might do between the intermediate and the advanced class, we might do 10 rounds. It's 10 five minute rounds with a 30 second break. Yeah. So you you've already done do it. 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. We don't fuck around. Yeah. Fucking hell, in the lead up to trials, we were doing six minute rounds, obviously because it's exactly the time frame that we were doing. But yeah, we're doing six minutes and thirty seconds break, and it's like go on, get your partner, get get going. Because if you can build that level of capacity, 
what's a six minute match if you can do 30 minutes back to back to back to back to back? 100%. Well, I, like, I take this back to, you know, my jujitsu got so good just training in the lockdown at home. Because Luke and I would just put three minute clock on or would put a six minute clock on or 10 minute clock or whatever else. But all we did was roll. Yeah. Like, like yeah, I, I don't think, like, I didn't learn any new pathways or new skills. I put I added on to what I had, but the mm. confidence of being able to go, well, I know I can do twenty three minute rounds. Yeah. With a with, with you know, with a, a thirty second break in between each one. Yeah. With a guy who's bigger than me and a purple belt. Or yeah. as big as me and a and a purple belt. Yeah. So like there's a method to the madness with showing up and rolling every day. Like sometimes like I no no discredit, but like I like to just bypass the, the, the technique and just mm. go and do the rolling. You and Ethan would have a good conversation. He hates drilling. Because that's where I learn. <coughs> I learn the most from rolling. Mm. I learn, that's, I don't know, that's, that's my, my learning pathway. I think even to take another level on top of that, and um, Luke's been sick this week, so a couple of the boys have been taking classes and I've got the, the, um, the benefit of teaching two classes. Very grateful for that opportunity. Oh, congratulations, uh, mate. It's, it's always good fun. and I always get good feedback because... Unlike the Russian baby, I can actually speak English and no one needs <laughs> subtitles for my uh, my critiques and all that sort of stuff. But um, I said to Luke during the day, I said, mate, it's, it's a funny thing that when you start coaching, you have to be able to articulate exactly what you're doing and you can't just go off the back of what you usually do. do yeah. And it forces you to think about it in a way that crystallizes it a lot more. And unfortunately for Nathan, uh, our, our round on uh, Wednesday morning, was not good for him because I was thinking so much more. I wasn't just flowing with movement. I wasn't just being the athlete. I wasn't just being the strong guy. I was thinking, what if I do put my hand here? What movement is that going to negate from him? And then having that over your so head. You're becoming quite more cerebral because you're actually thinking about the details from the coach. Very consciously aware. Yeah. And now I'm hitting things that I would never hit previously to this. Like I've been working on triangles. That's fucking cool. Um, yeah, for the last couple of weeks. And I'm snapping triangles on fucking everybody. <laughs> everybody. And uh, like Ashiro Senkaku or anything like that or, or all these sort of different mechanisms of triangles. I'm starting to piece it together where like if you're in a Yoko Senkaku or side triangle, uh, you're actually only a quarter turn away from a reverse triangle. Yeah. And that concept to me two weeks ago was crazy. But now if I can see it in my head and if I can articulate the way that it is meant to be put together, I can start doing that within a role. That's so cool, man. It's wicked. It's like you're in the Matrix. It's fucking crazy. I love that. And Luke said, man, watch your game fucking explode. If that's the way that you're thinking, he goes, with with your physicality behind that, it's going to be fucking nightmares that's for everybody. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's really cool. That's really cool, bro. So for people listening, obviously, I think if you're doing jiu-jitsu, Take the liberty to fucking think about if you were to teach what you do, how would you teach it? Yeah. And it's going to give you key pointers and indicators that you may not even recognize that you have done. Yeah. And Ethan's one of the perfect examples. He's an absolute freak of an athlete. Moves like a panther. Uh, we call him the mountain goat because you can't fucking sweep him. You can't put him <laughs> over. You can you can barely pin him. I can only pin him because I'm 50 kilos heavier. Yeah. That's the only reason I can pin that fucking... He's oh, a savage. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, one of his specific limitations that he goes, ah, oh, just do this. Right? And, and like he's a good coach when he says the things that he does. But it, I, I think the difference between somebody who is that good and the upper echelons of the sport are the people who can articulate the difference between what they do and why they do it. Yeah. And I think it, it's definitely not a knock on Ethan. He's a fucking phenomenal black belt. 
But I think if we can start to employ that at like even a younger training age uh, for people who are blue belts and purple belts and stuff like that, people that say, it, it's like people that say, um, I get bored with jujitsu. It's not because jujitsu is boring. It's because you suck. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't have the ability, ability to be able to do what we've just talked about and articulate the moves the way that they work in the head. Like if I was only doing Kimuras for a year, I'd be fucking bored too. Yeah. But why not learn the deepest intricacies of the way that the Kimura well, just goes to show you. why Harry isn't progressing so well, is it? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Jump up to 99 overs. Yeah, I'm going to fucking do some that. No, you're not, mate. It's funny that you duck Isaac and then you come to my division and you think anything's going to change. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. You see it all the time. But um, it was funny. I think I said this last time. There were people ducking me and going down to 99. Um, and, and a few of them didn't even show up. Yeah. Shows exactly where their fucking mind is. Yeah. It's it's interesting. There's there's people, you can tell, there's an authenticity around people who actually do what they say and say what they do. And then there's people who posture. And they might get pretty far on a, like a local scene or anything else, but then you start to leave them for leave them for dead when, when the going actually gets tough. Yeah, 100%. When it really starts to cut the mustard. I'll tell you one person who I love their coaching is Grace R. Oh, yeah. For, for, for me, Grayson speaks to me because it's just – Short, sharp, to the point. Mm -hmm. It's simple. What Grayso does is very, very simple. There's no fluff. No, there's no fluff. There's no fluff. But it, because it, it, I'm a very simple person, yeah. <laughs> what he does and like just like his Pez dispenser passing, the Keza, mm -hmm. these are things that I use every time I roll. Mm -hmm. When I pass someone, I, I Pez dispenser pass them mm. all the time. And if it's not, then it's a, a way for me to – get a whizzer and end up in a front headlock or something like that. But that is the basis of my premise. If I'm going to pass you, that's what I'm going to pass you with. Mm. Because the way that Grayso and both sides have mm -hmm. never been able to do that. Grayso's coaching is so sharp and to the point. You do it both sides and then it's packaged up into 20 minutes and you, you, you're ready to do positional sparring. Mm -hmm. For me, as a, as a, as a jiu-jitsu student, I love the way he coaches. Yeah. But then also the same with well, well, I think Chad's probably the best coach I've ever I've ever had in anything. The guy's amazing, but cop that Lynchy. Yeah, no, well, the, I'm about to give credit to Lynchy. Like, <laughs> I know you were. Like Lynch's Lynch goes. The other night I was like, "What the fuck is Lynch doing?" So at first you start from on your bum in butterfly, butterfly guard, and then you end up in the turtle, and you're over here. But it's not till you get to the end where you're like, "Oh, hold on a second, I just use the same thing." but in three different scenarios mm -hmm. and to get to three different positions. Yep. So then you build an overall picture of you can utilize this to end up here, here, and here because mm -hmm. if you're fixated on just ending up in one spot, what happens if you do end up rolling into a different position? How do you get that back or how yeah. do you end up executing from there or yeah. going back to that that base? So Lynch is another great mind yeah. and a great teacher. This is, this is where I am not even going out of a limb when I say this, that Luke is the fucking – premier coach in the country yeah. his ability to be able to dissect the way that things will move heuristically across several sets of moves is fucking incredible like you got to give the credit where the credit is due and uh my post about getting my brown belt in 23 months it's <laughs> Congra caused a congratulations thank you sir <laughs> caused a fucking shitstorm on reddit and i got sent a couple of the posts and i dove in i was like fuck these guys and um someone said that our gym's medals don't count. The only medal that counts from our gym is the silver medal that baby got because I am supposedly a known steroid abuser and Jeremy is a black belt from another gym. And I was like, you have no idea what you're fucking talking about. You, you can't have any idea what you're talking about. But back to what Rogan says, like 
if that if you're getting upset by someone who's going to a forum like Reddit mm. and, and throwing shade, how good's their life? Oh, exactly right. Like, in all honesty, like if you can appreciate how good one, how good Luke is, and how good your team is, you're messaging Luke or you're messaging yourself mm-hmm. or Jeremy and going, "Hey, great guys, fucking great performance, awesome." You're not sitting there nitpicking. No. Because you're a fucking loser. You're probably one of those people who gets bored at jiu-jitsu because you shit at it. You've never won a local tournament. (laughs) That's what I take that as. You can't even get bronze at a fucking local tournament, whoever it is. Um, But that's that's the the long (coughs) and the short of it. And and I know what you're like. It it would just be a piss take for you to engage in that. It was very funny. I had a lot of fun. I was giggling to myself at writing the jokes. But um, the, the fact of the matter is, if you see someone doing something that you haven't accomplished, ask yourself why. Why? Yeah. Ask them why. No, it's heaps easier to just go online and, and talk shit about that person. Of course it is, because <laughs> this is the thing with change, and I describe this to a lot of clients. It's not the fact that you don't know how to lose weight. It's not the fact that you don't know what to do to lose weight. Because if I said to you, if Milo went to the vet and they said, Dal, listen, Milo needs to lose weight, what would you do? Stop feeding him as much and walk him more. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing for humans, <laughs> right? So if we know how to do it and we know what to do, what is the difference? Yeah. What's the difference? The difference is actioning it and doing it. Well, that, that's the same thing, but it's also the, the fact that like we just tell ourselves we can't do can't it. do it, yeah. And, it, and what people don't understand, Suppo, is that if you tell yourself something, mm. guess what your body does? It does it. it fucking exactly that. Like I've, um, I haven't really ramped up my, my training. I haven't really been strict in, per se on diet. Mm. Um, I move a lot more with my work now, 100%. But, you know, I've taken out the drugs. I've mm-hmm. taken out the alcohol. I sleep a lot better. Mm-hmm. My fucking nose isn't blocked all the time, so I actually can get oxygen through my CPAP machine when I'm sleeping. It's a, it's a nice benefit. Yeah. And then, obviously, like, a, a lot of things – one thing that a lot of people don't know and what I, I do know, which is a, a reason why I should have never blown out to 134 kilos, mm. is that if you want to lose weight, the number one thing that you have to have is hydration. Mm. Your body will not pass anything because everything passes through your urine and your feces. Mm-hmm. That's there's no your fat's burning and it's melting away. Fat cells shrink and they grow. Mm-hmm. They stay there, and you've they used, also multiply. That, exactly. So case in point, but the 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 couple of little things that I removed from my life, what we we're talking about before, mm. I haven't really changed anything more differently no. to, to my life. But for some reason, like I got down to like what from one thirty four, got down to like one eighteen, one seventeen. Mm-hmm. I'm back to one twenty now, but I'm fucking fit and strong. Mm-hmm. And people, some people go, "Well, you've put on weight." No, I haven't. I put on muscle. Yeah. And guess what's going to happen? The more muscle I put on, the fucking the the better my body's going to be running. The more you burn at rest, and, as and well. the more I'm going to burn at rest. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's it, bro. Like the what you said before about not adding stuff and, and making things more complicated and difficult. Mm. It's about actually just removing the shit, removing the shit. Like we, we, whether it is weight loss to start off with, because what I have to, what you have to understand is that the first point for me was going, I need to get from 134 to 115. Mm-hmm. I got to 118, but I wasn't feeling good on the jujitsu mats. Mm. I wasn't, I was feeling weak. I was feeling tired and lethargic. Mm. So I'm like, well, I need to add some stuff back in. That has been like, I'm feeling better, looking better, and moving better, but the number on the scale is still 120. Yeah. But I'm not the same 120 kilo person that I was in January. Yeah. And that will start to change as well. Your goals your goals are a living organism. 
You, your goals don't have to be set in stone the, yeah. in, the entire time. and Not to make it about me, but just because I'm actually going through a journey like this yeah. at the moment. You know, it's cool because people yeah. can learn from it as yeah, well. 100%. Like A lot of people ask me, like, how much do I weigh? I was like, the only reason I know what I weigh is because I have to fucking tell people to ask me. <laughs> I don't actually give a fuck. Because <laughs> yeah. if the performance is there, why does it matter? 100%. And I think this is where people focus in the wrong direction. They start to focus on, let's talk about finance for a second. They start to talk about that 100x return that they might have a 1 in 10 shot of getting. Why not focus on the 30% return that you have a five out of six shot of getting? 100%. Where your focus is, is what will grow. And if your focus is always fixated on a number, on an outcome of a, of a, an end point, well, then you're always going to be focused on where that is rather than where you are. And we talked about this last time with the fuck happiness thing. You create the desire to say that you won't be, you won't be happy or satisfied until that point comes. Yeah. Winners and losers have the same goals. The only difference between winners and losers is they commit themselves to the activities they commit to. That's it. Losers commit themselves to reasons. Winners commit themselves to results. Yeah. But the way that they derive those results is committing to the activities. The activities are the outcome. Yeah. It's not the pro. It's it's the the process is the result. That's that's what I like to say. Well, case in point, like um, a couple of the people from the gym were like, "Oh, I'm doing the Newcastle Open, the Jiu Jitsu." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, fuck, when is it?" Okay. I know I'm down in the in the Sutherland Highlands that weekend. It's on the Sunday. I've just I've had the flu. My training's been shit. Mm-hmm. I haven't got my it's it fucked my my aerobic capacity, the flu has. Plus, you know, before I got the flu, I was kind of training all right for four or five weeks before, you know, after my knee, mm. which was, you know, ten weeks ago, twelve weeks ago. And I was like, if you don't sign up for this and put yourself in this position, there was no point in doing everything from the start. No. There was no point in, in what's the point of having my sobriety and ticking off those things that I said, eating better, feeling better, looking better, sleeping better, <coughs> hydrating better, a better quality of life. Mm. You know, business, my business is growing week on week, month on month, the trajectory because of the effort that I'm allowed to put, able to put into it because I'm up early. Mm-hmm. I'm reading that page. Yeah, you've only got two and a half weeks to get yourself ready for this. But there's no one else at Blue Belt at had a hundred kilo at a hundred kilo hundred hundred plus kilos or ninety seven plus kilos in my division that is going to be able to prepare in two and a half weeks of what I can do. Mm. No one else. I don't give a fuck because I know I know I've got all the tools and capabilities that by the time the twenty fourth rolls around that there's no one else that's going to be there that's going to be able to beat me because mm. there's no reason for anyone else to beat me but myself. Exactly. And it was like I had a shower at. What time? At 20 past eight, I mind Bubs this morning. Luce went to the gym, yep. gave her her mum time, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just to be herself because mm-hmm. she needs it for her mental health. Oh, of course. So I did, kind of didn't get into the shower until like 8.30. I got in the shower and I'm like, fuck, supper's not, supper's not at 10.30. Why am I showering for? I should be downstairs in the gym. Mm. Like I only need half an hour. Yeah. I'm like, right, got out of the shower, got dressed, went went to the shops, got our stuff for lunch. And I parked parked the car in the driveway, straight into the gym, music on, got the stuff out, bang, into yeah. it. Boom, 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 boom. It's fucking, you know, 9.30, 9.30, and I'm like, fuck, I've got 20 minutes to do mobility. Yeah. This is sick. So, like, you know, kind of 10 to, you're ringing me going, hey, going to be there 15 minutes early, do you want a coffee? I'm like, fuck, how good's that? Like, I started my day for myself at yeah. 8.30. By the time you rang me, at like, just before 10, I've gone to the shops, had a shower, got a workout in, got some mobility done, had another shower, yep. and ready to go for this. Yeah. 
there is no reason why I'd come the 24th, regardless of how much my preparation time is, that anyone should be able to beat me. Yeah. But looking for reasons why instead of why not. 100%. We're so good at justifying why not. We're so good at justifying why not. And if you realize that that's, that's the circuitry in our brain, that, but that you can override it, yeah, it goes back to what we were saying before. You're not the person that you are based on your history. Yeah, You're not even your name. Your name is just a sound. <laughs> Right <laughs> to say that I am Josh is fucking retarded because it's just a sound. I'm a Josh. Yeah, uh, my name is Jeff. <laughs> but it's just stupid, right? Or to say that like I am the ethnicity that I am, right? If I was so, if I was born on a holiday when my parents were pregnant in Turkey, I was born there. I'm still English, still Australian. You know what I mean? Like, but I was born in Turkey. Does that make me Turkish? No. Fuck no. Unless you identify as Turkish. Like, even then. <laughs> even then, it's ridiculous, right? Like, you're saying oh, that- Fuck, Josh eats a lot of falafel, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're saying that you are the way you are because you were born on a certain patch of mud on a fucking blue dot circling in space. Yeah. And now you decide to perceive limitations on top of that based on those things. 100%. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's why people, it's, it's not very powerful, but people fight for their own limitations. They, they, they listen to your story and they listen to your schedule. It's like, oh, fuck, you got the rain, rain week off work. You had time to do that sort of stuff. Guess what, motherfucker? So do you. Yeah. Everybody goes, oh, well, you run a business so you can train 13 times a week. No. I fucking built a business by design so I can train 13 times a week. If you, if you want to fucking take the reins to my business and, and stop collecting a regular paycheck from your job, you fucking be my guest. Well, if you want to go get a $150,000 pump truck, be my guest as you well. You be my fucking <laughs> guest. You, you, you give up the security and the yeah. certainty and all that sort of stuff of getting regular contributions to super and all these sorts of things. You know exactly yeah. where you're going to be. You know how many people are going to be there. But that was the conversation I had with myself in the shower, Josh. Mm. I was like... <coughs> I am fortunate enough to, one, be rained out at work, and two, have a have a gym downstairs. Yeah. I have to walk down eight stairs to go mm -hmm. to my gym. Mm -hmm. Eight stairs. Mm -hmm. Why are you in the shower still? Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Get the fuck moving. You've had, like, I've been blessed. I'm still able to get up early. I, I got to read my page of my book to my baby this morning. Mm-hmm. I got to look after my baby this morning while my beautiful wife got to go have some her time, mm -hmm. train and do her thing, which makes her a better wife, a better uh, a better mother. Like, that's a blessing. But I could be sitting there yelling at the rain through the window going, you're stopping me from working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My life's shit. Yeah. Oh, bro, I missed, I missed out on two grand today. I should be working. Oh. Yeah. Mate, fucking, it's it's about pivoting and seeing the silver lining, and there's a blessing in everything. Because yeah. nine times out of ten, bro, like my my daughter is the best first thing in the morning. Mm. She's had 10, 12 hours sleep, big smiles. She loves life, and I miss that a lot of the time. Yeah, because I'm gone. I'm done. I'm 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 halfway out to Cessnock, or I've already set up, and I'm we're pouring concrete. Mm -hmm. Those mornings that I get to have with her, I embrace that shit, man. Oh yeah. Because there's not enough fucking dollars in the world that's going to replace. Because she's not going to be a baby forever. No. The the baby that I that I woke up with this morning is not the same baby that wakes up tomorrow. No. Because her evolution with everything, physically, mentally, is evolving daily, mm. and I don't want to miss that. Mm. It's really cool to see. Like obviously, I don't have kids, and I'm not really sold on the idea actually. Um, but it's cool to see the evolution. Like my auntie has five kids now. She's fucking crazy because she's 31, 32. She's got five kids. 
She had three kids, and then she's got a touch football team, mate. They're all boys. <laughs> oh shit! They're all boys. She so does she, have a touch football team. She went three kids and then twins. Savage. Like two weeks ago. Savage. Yeah, congratulations. It's crazy. Yeah, and then um, the nan was all giddy about it. She's like, "Oh, Josh, you gotta you gotta hold the the youngest one because you're the eldest grandson, and he's the youngest." And they did all those nan shit, like where they take cute photos and fucking put them over the house and Nostalgia. whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. But it's a beautiful thing to see the evolution of of kids and it reminds us that exactly what you just said she's different day to day yeah so the fuck are you yeah <laughs> so are you yeah. you're telling yourself because of your history that you can't fucking change because i was stupid in school because i fucking had no mates because i used to be a drug addict because all these fucking stupid things all these stories keep you where you are and you're in a mental prison for why you can't do the shit you say you want to do yeah absolute rubbish and i'm not saying that it's easy i'm definitely not taking away the impact of these stories that have they have on people but you're a perfect example i'm a perfect example yeah if we're just two fucking regular blokes if you can start to put this stuff into action and start to actually take care of yourself like you said if it's waking up early if it's drinking more water if it's taking care of your food more if it's hiring a mentor if it's any of these sorts of things fucking do it yeah life is exactly what you make it and i know it's a cliche but it's a cliche for a reason because if it wasn't a cliche it wouldn't be around yeah if it wasn't true it would have it wouldn't be around well i just listened to um because that book that i read every morning is the daily stoic mm-hmm. and i just i'll just listen to ryan holiday on joe rogan he was mm-hmm. just on joe rogan but it's the same thing it's like these philosophers in like you know it's like two fucking thousand years ago oh yeah how is Marcus Aurelius's principles still so valid to this day? Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because the page that I read, actually, I'll try and get it for you, Josh. The page that I actually read yesterday, there's a, a part in it. Is that this morning? Uh, Duty to learn. I'll I'll make it short, but there was a, a part in this page yesterday, and he actually said the words of it. Um, okay, it's here. Um, okay, from from the time that you from the f- time that you first um, sent off to school until you retire, we're faced with the same struggle. It'd be nice to shut our eyes and hit the snooze button for a few more times. Like this is something Marcus Aurelius wrote two thousand years ago. Mm. Obviously, there's no snooze, but- snooze button. Yeah, of course. But, it, but it's it's getting up and doing those hard yards. Yes, it's cold and dark and raining outside. But get the fuck up. But does that change anything? No, it doesn't. It's the same with the plank. Yeah. Regardless whether it's summer or it's winter, mate, get the fuck up. Mm. Do your thing. Yeah. But that's that's like that's how crazy this is. That philosophers from that didn't even have fucking pen and papers. Like their shit, like Marcus Aurelius' stuff, is still valid right now. Yeah. Two thousand twenty-three. Yeah. Twenty-two. Is it twenty-two? Yeah. Oh. Goose. Getting way too ahead of myself. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like once you know the way in all things, you know the way broadly in, in most things. It's the same principles across everything. It's it's disciplined work ethic, saying what you want, and then going after it. 100%. That's all it is. Whether yeah. it be weight loss, whether it be financial gain, whether it be jujitsu, whether it be weightlifting, whether it be anything. The one, be the career one, progression. The one thing that still gets me, Joshy, and obviously you're, you're active in this space now is – how many people do you speak to on a regular basis that say that they're intimidated by the gym and they want to lose weight? Less and less so now because my specific clientele are mostly people that are already doing 85% of the work and I need to tune the last 15. But it is a very common story. Which is madness. Because yeah. if you think about how many gyms 
like even just Newcastle, there's mm. like 30 different Globo gyms, 40 different fucking CrossFit gyms, 10 different Jiu-Jitsu gyms. Like the fact that this and social media, mm. everyone's seeing fitness, but it's crazy that the limitations people have on themselves to still be afraid to walk into a place mm. to change their life. That's madness. I don't even think it's necessarily that they're afraid, but that's just how they're articulating it because we're not very good at disseminating emotions. Like people, most people can't tell you the difference between get, sh- uh, game, uh, shame and guilt. They can't tell you the difference between happiness and elation, sadness and anger. They just box everything all together. It's not the fact that they don't even want to do it because they do want to do it. They're using the excuse of being afraid because that's the thing that they've heard previously that other people have said, oh, I'm, intimid- I'm intimidated by the gym or anything like that. They're not actually that way. And it, it goes back to what I was saying. If you, people know what to do and they know how to do it. They're just not willing to do it. Yeah, They're not willing to do it because they have to admit to themselves if they do know what to do and they do know how to do it, that they have always had that ability to do so. And that produces a lot of shame. Because if you always have had the ability to change your life financially, because you do, if you've always had the ability to change your physical reality, you do. <laughs> you have to admit that to yourself as to the re- and come up with a reason as to why you have not done so previously. Yeah, That's very painful for people. 100%. It's not the fact that they're intimidated. It's not the fact that they're scared of fucking meatheads like me looking at them because I'll give you a fucking tip and trick. There's mirrors on every wall in every gym for a reason. I'm looking at the fucking bicep veins in my arm, not yours. Yeah. I'm not looking at you. It's complete vanity. I don't give a fuck about what you're doing. Narcissistic as fuck. (laughs) I could not. You think I'm getting a pump for you? I'm getting a pump for me. Every day I'm coming. At the gym I'm coming. I'm coming down there. Actually, I have a fucking, I have a thing about that. In Pumping Iron, when he wins the Mr. Olympia, he's talking about it the whole time, all that sort of stuff. Starts to smoke a joint and it says, Arnold is numero uno. I got a shirt the exact same, the white and black, Suppo's numero uno. I I was going to wear it two trials, but it didn't come in time. They fucked it up. They sent me the wrong one. (laughs) So I can wear it after. I might wear it to my next event. I might wear it to Subversion or something like that when I compete next. Um, I'm not actually on that card, but the next Subversion. Someone compete against the guy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we did find somebody. We found a couple of people. And George is just not very imaginative with his matchmaking. He's like, oh, well, yeah, sub, sometimes uh, Sydney West versus GE and then sometimes GE versus Sydney West. It's like, bro, get it. We, we get it. We've done it enough times. Like, the, the matches are going to get boring now. It's just, just find me somebody that's interesting. Find me a black belt from somewhere. I don't know. Find me something interesting. Find you a freak. Mm. Find some big Samoan dude. I'd find anybody. Yeah. <laughs> If King Kong can make underneath 140 kilos, fucking bring him too. But, um, yeah, but one thing I did want to um, have a chat with, Joshy, is obviously you, you did do a podcast on the way up here mm-hmm. and um, with, a, with a previous with a, a business mentor. Give us a bit of a, a rundown on that and where HPU is at the moment. A lot of the stuff that we were talking about recently, um, and he was also talking about like what makes people great in terms of like online coaching and, and personal training and stuff like that. And again, I don't think it's any different in any other facet of anything else in your life. I think you have to have discipline. I think you have to have the ability to do what you say and say what you do. You have to be very authentic. You have to be courageous. The whole men in the arena thing, again, you have to be willing to be the man in the gutter with nothing to have the ability to be the man with the fame and the fortune and all that sort of stuff. And I think just perceptualizing that and putting it forwards and understanding that these are the key principles they're the thing that give you the biggest return on investment. It's not that anybody has come from a better family than you. It's not that they have a better upbringing than you. It's not that they had a better head start. People always talk about this, and, and um, one of my best mates, Jared, he'll enjoy getting a kick out of listening to this. 
massive Donald Trump fan. Massive Donald Trump fan. I was until I lost five grand on him. Well, <laughs> that probably won't be a fucking good thing. But I was like, I'm going to win 120 grand. I'm going to buy a boat. I'm going to call it the Don. The, Do- <laughs> the Donald. The Donald. Um, everybody goes, oh, he got a $2 million loan or a $1 million loan from his dad or whatever the fuck. He's now worth $7 billion. So if you're not worth $7 billion. But he's what- also gone bankrupt. For tax purposes. <laughs> he's a smart dude. But, but, but on anyway. paper, he's still, gone to, he's, he's still gone bankrupt. But the people who shit on him for that, the ratio is still there. So if you can turn a million dollars into seven billion, that's a 7,000x return. Yeah. So if I give you $1,000, you can't turn it into seven mil. Why is he any different to you? Yeah. Yes, he did have a head start. Yes, it does help. Of course it does. But he still put in the work to get the yards where he wanted to go. And people will use that as an example to re- reason with themselves why they can't do things. Yeah. They will say that this person had a better upbringing. This person had a different upbringing. Uh, they don't have my stories of limitations and all that sort of thing. Like we said, the more you remove things from your life, the easier it gets. The yeah. more results you get, the better results you get. Remove the stories of why you can't and start to employ the stories of why you can. It's such a distinct tiny 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 separator but it will make the world of difference 100 percent. the world of difference and that was pretty much what the episode was about like luxon's a really good dude um we used to talk about like personal development stuff and it's actually an interesting topic point uh point of conversation we've kind of gone through our personal development phase i no longer do any personal development I think it all comes from actions and feedback of actions. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that go too far deep into this, I was having a conversation with my sister about it as well. The people that always have to have like a morning routine to set themselves up exactly the way that they need to set up. They do their grounding, their meditation, their fucking celery juice, their lemon water, all that sort of stuff. They're saying to themselves that the, the routine is more important than the actions that they're actually doing at the end of the day, because if they don't have their routine, their life's a mess. And they do all these things in personal development. You start to become the personal development person. But that doesn't carry any action, action with it. Yeah. You're not getting any results after that because your morning routine and you're planning around your morning routine, you're planning so much stuff. By the time you finish fucking planning your day with all that shit, it's 10 a.m. Yeah. You're already two hours behind. Yeah. And then you're not going to feel like it because you're, you're just- You're four hours behind. Exactly. You're, <laughs> you're mentally masturbating. That's what you're doing. And that's not to say that this stuff doesn't have utility because it definitely does. But if you are sitting there thinking about the things that you want to do more than you are acting towards them, they will fucking pass you by. Yeah, You will wake up in five years time and you'll be no further ahead. And you're like, but I'm doing the vision boards and I'm doing the grounding and I'm putting my fucking crystals in the moonlight. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. These things do have a place. But if it is, if it is all that you do, you are going to get passed by by time. And you're going to feel like shit because of that. Time is one of those things that is ruthless. It don't give a fuck. Nope. It keeps ticking. Nope. Which is, um, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent fucking bang on. What I was going to, um, what I was going to ask you was, fuck, I've had it slip my mind now. No, you continue. I'll come back. No, you continue. You continue. Um just on that it's i think it's just, it's the same thing people give themselves every opportunity to not do the thing that they say they want to do oh got it go for it okay so they're for say for someone like myself mm-hmm. i can if i don't have some sort of structure i get very very lost mm-hmm. so like 
almost 90% of the time, 95% of the time when I wake up, it's I wake up, I take the dogs to the toilet, I go to the toilet, mm-hmm. I drink a warm glass of water, a second warm glass of water, I have a probiotic, then I put my milk in the, in the I make my coffee, mm-hmm. and then it's you know, shower, boom, I'm out the door by this time, whatever time I've got to leave. Mm-hmm. There is an element to that planning situation that you do have to have if you want to be efficient to be able to then go in action. Mm-hmm. But it's very different to just sit there and fist fuck your ass for yeah. until, as you said, 10 o'clock. Yeah, no, I completely agree. There's there's necessities and then there's niceties. <laughs> yeah, niceties. Niceties is meditation. Niceties is waking up and sitting in the sun. And, and again, these things are not irrelevant. They are not not important. But if it is the if it is the only thing that you do, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Like yours is necessary for you to get to where you want to go because you have to wake up you have to be hydrated. You have to get the shit you need to get done. And that's your routine. And I'm not saying that routines are bad. I'm just saying that if your routine starts to take over your entire life where you're just thinking about personal development, you're just reading, it's the, the perfect illustration of this is the person who always buys self-development books, applies absolutely fucking nothing in the entirety of the book. Can't, that, was, that was me five years ago. Can't man. tell me what was written in the fucking first page of the first chapter. <laughs> And then goes on reading the next book, the next book, the next book, the that next book. That was me five years ago, dude. Yeah. I'd wake up, I'd train, I'd meditate at icebergs, I'd fucking, I'd read I'd read the page. I'd actually, sometimes I'd po- I'd post the page on Instagram not before I'd even, it. not even read it. Yep. And then end up fucking sipping lattes at my mate's cafe. Yep. And then sitting there wondering why I'm in the same job at a different company. Mm-hmm. I live week to week. Mm-hmm. I have a nice car that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with people that do absolutely no fucking good for my life. Like that's uh, – when you say that, it resonates to me because not too long ago I was that guy. And then people would come to me and they'd be like, hey, mate, what's that book that you read? And I'd read – I'd watch them read it and three months later they've surpassed me. Yep. And that happened so many times, dude, <coughs> that it was only so many times where I'm like, I need to make change. I had a pretty profound thing said to me once from a mentor and he said, I don't read new books. I have five core books that I constantly read in rotation. He goes, because you have to understand that for somebody to write 130 pages on paper, the amount of thought process and the amount of editorial process behind that is far substantive than the end product. Yeah, You should attempt to gain that much knowledge that they distill down into that and extrapolate that then therefore of that book. One of my favorites that I always go back to is um, Stephen Pressfield. It's the the Art of War. It's fucking awesome. He calls it the Resistance, okay. And he labels it the Resistance. The Resistance. He goes, when you're a writer, all you have to do is sit down and write. That's all you have to do. <laughs> yeah. It does not have to be ten pages. It does not have to be a thousand words. It doesn't have to be anything. He goes, once you sit down and write, it could be two words. And he starts to average it out over across a year. If you write two lines of page once a day, every single day, you will have written 70 pages at the end of the year. Yeah, That is far substantiative of the person who writes 14 pages on a Monday and then waits till fucking March to write the next couple of pages, yeah. then waits till August to write the next couple of pages. Yeah. Plus, the second person in the second story has all this self-doubt of, I'm a procrastinator, I don't concentrate. No, you're just not practicing the skill every single day. Yeah. And that's what you need to do. And this is why it gets very dangerous for some people is because they say what they want to do things and then they do it so sporadically that all this self-doubt and all this ridiculousness comes in. Yeah. 
I, I heard a quote recently. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I like the premise. He goes, uh, he said, I will never be depressed because I'm moving too fast for depression. Depression can't catch you if you move too quickly. As soon as you start to slow down in life and become comfortable, that's when you start to get it. And to a point, I agree. Because every time in my life that I've felt that way, I was doing nothing. I was procrastinating. I was doing dumb shit. Sitting on the couch, watching YouTube, flicking through your phone. The archetypal school holidays. <laughs> yeah. You're doing absolutely nothing with your life. Yeah. So much so that you actually wish school was back on. Yeah. Who the fuck would ever want that? Yeah, no one would ever want that. And, and I kind of agree to a point. Yeah, I, I don't think you should burn yourself out and do like the grind set mentality like Gary V and fuck it, always work, 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 work. Do 100-hour weeks so you can lap your competition in six months, all that sort of stuff. I think that's fucking stupid. But I do think if you're not actively pursuing these things that are important to you, you will start to feel like shit. Yeah. If you're not going and doing workouts, you will start to feel like shit. Your body will start to deteriorate. You'll start to look at yourself in not a very reflective light of somebody that's going after and doing things. And this is why I love personal training so much because the physical transformation is the first step to the mental transformation. Yeah, You can't have one without the other. They are not separated. But in, in my personal experience, in my opinion, if you can change your physical reality, you could prove to yourself that you can create alchemy. You can do it mentally. I've done it. I'm fucking literally a walking, talking proof of this. When I was 15, I was a fat piece of shit, no strength, gross, disgusting, found the gym. 10 years later, best jiu-jitsu athlete at, at Brown Belt in the country. Yeah. I'm willing to fucking go out and say that because Isaac Michelle lives in America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually funny. You'll like this as a story. We're doing the team photo and um, for all the winners and all the medals lined up and he was in the 99 and I was, so we got to stand next to each other. I've talked to Isaac a fair bunch of times. He's a really nice kid. And he uh, puts his arm around me, he grabs my lat, and he just, he just takes it away, and he puts it back, he takes it away, he puts it back. He goes, what the fuck are you made out of? <laughs> he goes, you feel like concrete. That's fucked. And I was like, yeah, that's why you do the small boys division. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's exactly why I do it. There's weight classes for a reason. Yeah, 100%. There 100% is. Well, even just like the strategy of them going from, you know, him, him qualifying at 99 and swapping with Craig. It's very clever. That's so clever. Very clever. So clever. But that's right. Like, you know, you're a living, breathing, walking proof. Mm. I'm kind of going the opposite way. Like I was – kind of there in one part of my life but wasn't in the other half mm. where now I've got the other half and getting back to the, the, yeah. the, the physical side of it which is which is I'm actually enjoying the process man and I was actually gonna um walk downstairs and show you what I've got and see if there's a way that maybe you and I could work together as well mm. with the limited equipment that I do have because I don't really have I don't, I don't want to go to a global gym I couldn't be no. I couldn't be bothered so not necessary if we could have a look at what I've got downstairs and maybe you could put something together for me i'd love to i'm probably yeah. going to come on board to, to yeah. hpu i'd yeah. love to yeah for That'd be sure. sick. well mate I, I know we've got a um we've got a, a big road ahead we've got vegas um is there much changed at the gym at the moment for your competition leading up to that or is it just business um, as usual at, at, at sydney west for you? yeah mate <coughs> um success leaves clues <laughs> so we're going to continue to do the same thing. I think um, one of the things that Luke is very good at is is keeping me on task. Um, one of the things he's fucking phenomenal at is also developing me as a grappler. Um, so business as usual, I'm starting to develop uh, different areas of my game where he sees weak points and stuff like that. Um, we're actually going to be bringing in some bigger bodies in preparation for ADCC, which is going to be fantastic. Awesome. Again, the the world's nicest person, Mark McKay, has put his hat in the ring and said, look, if you need me, I'm, I'm willing to come and travel and do that sort of stuff. And he's just a really, really good guy. And I was speaking to uh, Ali at his cafe and he said he knew a couple of guys that would be willing to come down and do some training rounds, which would be a yeah. great experience. 
Mate, if I can get down, I'm probably going to be nothing for you, but I'd be more than happy to give you a body. It'd just be, yeah, just be good with big bodies and yeah. everything like that. For you specifically, it'd be great to, to have you in and get you to learn some stuff. Every time 100%. everybody sends me a message, you're like, oh, do you, do you guys do casual visits and stuff like that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. If you want to come and learn from yeah, the best guys. We're not Gracie Baja. Well, fuck, <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. Um, but yeah, let, like that, if you want to come down and learn from the fucking really, really good room and, yeah. and be challenged at every single role that you get, we get belts all the time. We get brown belts coming in, seasoned black belts and all this sort of stuff, and they get fucking murdered. And like it's, it, people can say what they want at the same time, but the, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. No other gym in the country got two gold medals. Yeah. The only other team that got three medals, if I'm not mistaken, was B team. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it had to be said. It has to be said. Yeah. It has to be said that the success leaves clues in the way that we do things at, at Sydney West is substantive of good results. And, anybody can knock on it until they've tried it but at the same time it's the proof is in the pudding and 100%. I think the numbers that, don't lie mate no they don't no. no they don't um and and the way that we're sort of putting together something really special is that luke is building this from the ground up and we spoke about this last time it's one gym foot of the mountain just us and we're all local boys i mean as local as i can be i'm still a westie but i'm not a penrith westie there's a very big distinction <laughs> um but but we're all building we're all building this thing and we're all we're all looking after each other. We're all getting better. But there's, like you said, there's just a community aspect that, that trumps anything I've ever been a part of. There's yeah. that, that communal suffering that you do get um, from physical sports and combat sports and stuff that makes it, it's addictive. It that, really is. That's why I love Ronan so much, man. Yeah. I love Ronan so much. Not just the quality of jiu-jitsu that I get in the room and, and the coaching. I love everybody in the room. Yeah. And that's exciting, especially when I'm going to leave my family and I've had a hard day at work and I'm getting there at 5.30 in the Arvo. You want to be stoked and pumped to see the dudes that, you, that are there. Yeah. Yeah, we like that yeah. That feeling is reciprocated for everybody in the gym. And like obviously some of us have our differences and stuff like that. You're not going to be best, best mates with everybody. And, and sometimes there's... So it's still filthy at you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bro. Yeah. That's uh, a him problem. <laughs> if you can fucking beat me, you would. <laughs> so good um, like like i said obviously <clears throat> you're not going to get along absolutely fantastically with everybody but to say that we, we're still everybody's still focused on getting each other better yeah everybody really is and, and sometimes you get a bit of a niggle and stuff like that or sometimes someone's a bit rough with people and it is what it is it's part of every single gym but um what we really are putting together is something fucking crazy special it's an absolute honor to be a part of it um, and like I said, taking on more of a coaching role like myself and baby Dave and starting to step up in that yep. area is, is really gratifying because now it's not only our success, it's the success of the white belts underneath us. It's the success of the blue belts underneath us. And specifically, um, for me coaching on the weekend, I got to coach one of my clients, uh, Reese Fitz to yeah, seen that. all submissions and everything like that. Yeah. And it was a really, really cool response, um, from the spectators that were there, they because uh, I I say please when I coach, I uh, take a left underhook please, <laughs> yeah. and it's something I've picked up from Luke. I've definitely stole that from him. Um, but everybody's like, you're so nice, you're so calm, and you're uh, the way that you were coaching was very directed. You didn't say play your game or fucking pull harder or um, uh, just yeah, watch the neck. Watch yeah, thanks, bro. I am watching my fucking neck. It's a jiu jitsu tournament. Well, well. You know, a team is a reflection of its leader, dude. Yeah, exactly, like exactly. It, it, and it's it's cool it, to get feedback like that yeah. from people from the outside as well. Yeah, it's um, a beautiful thing to get, man. Yeah, it was really cool, and and everybody was like, "You guys work so well together." It's like, man, we spend five days a week together. We're we're <laughs> fucking really good mates, but it's also it's it's substantive of the level of coaching that we are getting delivered. 
Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes from the top down. Like you said, you are your leader. Yeah. It's, it's from the top down to be able to steal that. But not only that, replicate it. 100%. If the system it really works, it should be replicable across all levels, across all belts, all ages, all divisions, all genders, even though there's only two of them. <laughs> Had to fit that in there. <laughs> um, but I think it's really cool to be a part of and and – it's. It, I go back to one of these things, I think about it quite often, where Tyson Fury went on his big depression scandal with all the drugs and the alcohol and stuff. Like He achieved that really crazy thing that he wanted to achieve. Achieved the holy grail and it wasn't fulfilling as what he thought it was going to yeah. be. And yeah, and I think the thing that has stopped me from sort of being in that environment or even close to being in that environment is the ability to be able to give back and support all the other people. And 100%. I think he didn't really have that ability from an outside's, outsider's perspective. Um, but in me, being able to have that and being able to have the gratitude and the, the benefit of being able to coach other people and see the same result that I'm starting to produce for myself in others, yeah, it's really, really cool. It's it's a proof of concept, um, and I couldn't be happier with the guys that are coming through from our training room. Like, yeah, you're going to lose. It's going to happen. Someone's going to submit you eventually. But, but that's a great building block for success anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also how you take that on the chin and keep moving forward regardless. 100%. Well, you know, um, it's – it is a beautiful thing and you know russell brand i always quote this man on rogan he the purest form of happiness is the gift of giving without the intent of receiving and it's like mm. even though you are a very you know you insulate yourself as a as the athlete and as josh suppos on as the athlete but also the, the why have i learned all this stuff and you know luke's given me all these tools if i can't pass it on to the next guy that exactly guy, and that's what that's what gives you the the satis the satisfaction um, mm. as the uh, the other part in your life, which is helping you, which is coaching and mentoring, yeah, because it's actually helping your jujitsu. I've never used to do triangles. Now I'm hitting triangles and everyone, yeah. You didn't do that until you started doing, you know, you, you coaching coaching the room with yeah. Lee and it, It'd be like you with Banks. You'd be able to show her a word, or eventually when she starts talking, but you you give her a toy and she grabs it. You're like, no, no, no. Dude, you, I've been doing that. Yeah, I you, do it with both hands. Yeah, and I say hold to her. Yeah, yeah. And within like four weeks, like she's like got things. Her grip is so strong now. Mm. Like I, I get her to hold my thumbs and I pull her up and do like sit-ups with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's crazy the grip strength that she's gotten and the dexterity that she's gotten from like me just slowly doing stuff like that. Yeah. Time. 100%. Yeah. I think it's really cool to be able to see that, that that is such an important part of life for us to be able to give back and show others and see the growth and development in other people. And I think like jiu-jitsu can obviously be a very selfish endeavor. Um, but I think that the ability to be able to give that to other people is much more important. Yeah. And that's like, that's why I do what I do with my job. Like I've, I've mastered the physical reality. I really have. Yeah. And why would I be selfish and keep that to myself? 100%. Because I want to be able to see that of other people. I want to be able to see people have the ability to be able to do what I've done for myself. Well, you know what it feels like and you can't be, <coughs> you can't be an elite athlete for your whole life. No. So why not share it? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And why not pass that down yeah. to the younger boys in the room who are 18, 19, and, and give them the same reality and, and give them the same confidence to be able to back themselves. And yep. Like the, the medal's hanging up. Unfortunately, it's not here, but the medal's hanging up <laughs> in the gym. And you see the kids that walk in, they look at it and they're like, fuck, that'd be cool. Yeah. Fuck, that'd be cool. And you, it, that's just a representation of what is possible for you to be able to do. And and I look at it every day as well. And I'm like, how many of these can I get? Well, that's the question. 100%. Well, you're fucking 25 years old. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing. Like, the, the sky really is the limit. But also the fact that how many how many young guys have been introduced to the jiu-jitsu or watch that flow feed, bigger guys, mm. you know, guys that are 100 kilos plus and watched you do it and gone, well, if he can do it, 
Fuck, I can do it. Yeah. What's he doing? What's he doing? Okay, I'm going to follow him on Instagram. Okay, fuck, he's doing this, this, and this. Okay, I'm going to find a better way to do this. Mm. So hopefully in five years' time, I'm going to be the next Josh Saunders. Yeah. That's a sick thing. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah, and that's what I'm really cognizant of as well. Like, I, I got a resounding amount of support when I did win, and I, I had hundreds of messages on Instagram. It was fucking really cool. Um, and even to go back to the comp on the weekend that I coached Reese at, heaps of people came up to me and they're like, oh, congratulations, bro. Like, it's really cool to see, like – all that sort of stuff. The joke was that I actually wasn't there to coach Reese. I was there for people to tell me how good I am. <laughs> I was there to coach Reese, but I was also for glorification. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> but um, it is really cool because I think that in the whole theme of the conversation we're in now is the giving back thing. If you have the balls to become inspiring, you have the balls to inspire others. Yeah, I think that's so fucking cool. Like that, some kid would watch anything that anybody has done and then go on to live a better life because of that. Yep. I think. That's really, really cool. And I think the essence of like, our brains create and destroy meaning in anything, right? And, and everybody always asks, oh, what's the meaning of life? It is what you mean. It, it's what you make it mean rather. And I think for me personally, it's it's being able to carry as many people through the journey in, in such a light that they can actually actualize the things that they said they wanted to do. 100%. I think that's the really cool thing because why why be the Montgomery Burns, the guy on the hill with all the fucking <laughs> coins and, and all the, the toys and you're trying to block out the sun, you hate people and stuff yeah. like that. It's not a very fulfilling life in oh, my no. opinion. No way. And I think jiu-jitsu is one of those things that you can really start to tap into where you're teaching the white belts. You see the white belts come in every day and they're, they're getting better and you teach them a move and they fucking use what you did. They're like, hey, I, I did what you did and I did what you taught. And it's it's really cool. It's a really gratifying experience. 100%. Well, like, I guess even like to your point on a different scale is um, a lot of the young guys at Ronan and they come to me like, hey, man, I love the podcast. Like, I listen, yeah. to, I listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, um, and I'm like, first thing I say to them is, well, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. What's your, what episode's your favourite mm. and what's the what, what part of that did you take out of it? Yeah. What was the best part of that episode that you took out? Because, like, for me, like, I am the facilitator of To The Point Podcast, mm. but it's not about me. Yeah. Like, if I can share something that helps someone, but put people on the other side of the microphone that can help and inspire other people, that's what it's about. Mm. That's what this whole thing is about. It's yeah. got nothing to do with me. Yeah. I'm just a facilitator and I'm the guy who asks questions. That's it. Hopefully I can ask some good questions and tell some good stories. Yeah. And I can only get better with feedback from that. But that's that's the whole point of it. But mate, um I'm gonna get you fed and, and get you back to oh, get I'm you excited. back to get back to training. But um, you know, from the bottom of my heart, congratulations. I'm so proud of you and you should be so proud of yourself. And I'm so excited to see you take the mats and I'm looking forward to actually getting down to Sydney West. And as I said, we'll hook down the gym and, and see how we can work together as well. But mate, you're a, you're an absolute inspiration. Loving everything you do and, and thank you for coming up again. I appreciate it, mate. Any Anytime you need me back on, you just let me know. I'll come back after Vegas. For sure. Have yeah. some stories. Hopefully you'll bring a medal this time. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Josh, uh, Josh Suppo Saunders, everyone, and uh, mate, yeah, all the best. Pleasure. Thank you. listening legends make sure you like and subscribe on all your podcasting platforms and head over to instagram and check us out at to the point underscore podcast
point. Because when you constantly have